Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions today. 303-690-3000. is the number. We'll be taking your calls and your questions today. It's been a very eventful three or four months. It's been a very eventful three or four weeks. And we want to open up the dialogue and the opportunities for us to come together and be a part of what God is doing and how He is operating in our culture, how he's operating in our lives, and so we are glad that you have come to join us on the radio, Uh, and we're going to have a special guest in studio here in just a few moments as we continue our our conversation uh, surrounding the racial tensions that are going on. Uh, Yeah, you're right, Uh, we have been dedicating some programs to this topic, and they're very important. They're very important to <clears throat> to frame within the context of our understanding of the scriptures and our responsibility as believers in the world that we have. Uh, and so, give me a call three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Kevin, could you come and help him? 303-690-3000 is the number. We have a special guest, so we're going to get them all set up first uh, as our producer comes in and fixes all of the uh, all of his wires, make sure he's all good to go. Um, so today's guest is a pastor on our team here. His name is Avant Ramsey. And Avant, we're going to have you talk right up into the microphone about this close, so you can move it close to you, no problem. And Avant, I've got some information on Avant that we have. Uh, Avant is married to Barbara for how many years, Avant? Uh, 38. 38 years, and he has two kids, Avant and Michael. Uh, It says you began attending in 2008, but I have a feeling it's earlier than that because we weren't in the school in 2008. So I'm thinking we left the school in 2006, and you were there before we left the school. Yes, I was. So uh, you've been with us for a while, 14, 15 years. Uh, You've been on our team since 2017. Um, You, you, how many years did you uh, devote to uh, UPS? Uh, 30 years. I, I never asked you this, uh, just to start out on something lighter. Have you ever estimated, of um, all the years you served at UPS, how many packages <laughs> that you possibly maybe delivered? 
there was a time I believe that statistic was uh, given to us in uh, well over a million packages. And that would be you individually? Yes. A million packages. Uh, And so very faithful uh, in driving around uh, town. Uh, Even though uh, Avant could, uh, could say he grew, although Avant could say he grew up in the church, he would also add that he knew of Jesus but didn't have a personal relationship with Christ of any kind. So he hung out with believers, he hung out with those that didn't believe, uh, but he remembers coming home from a basketball game, a Christian league, and felt the weariness of running from the Lord. Mm-hmm. He knew many of his friends had been praying for him, and Avant remembers looking into the rearview mirror of his car, noticing his eyes, and he began to plead with God to change him, and he had to stop running from the Lord, and God answered his cry. Wow. Um, I think we got that off the website. I know. That's powerful. powerful It is powerful. It brings back memories, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, And so with all that in mind, welcome to the program, Avent. Thank you, sir. I'm grateful that you uh, have joined me. And with all that's been going on in the last couple weeks with the racial tension, the riots, the concerns, um, I always want to start out by asking, how are you doing personally? Mm. Uh, Well, let's go back to our... Let's go back to our uh, staff meeting today, and uh, we begin the book, uh, The Third Option, and Pastor Keegan uh, began the discussion for the first two chapters, and uh, I didn't make a comment at all. Uh, As a matter of fact, I admitted to the staff uh, in its entirety that uh, I just couldn't contribute uh, because of the heaviness of my heart of uh, what has been happening uh, in our country, in our city, and um, and in my heart. I, I was noticing, I, I was sitting on the other side of the room. Uh, you were closer to the whiteboard. I was on the other side of the room. And for some reason, you're, uh, we're all facing each other, but the table that you and Kevin sat in were facing us, you know, yeah. f- somehow facing. I don't know how they set that up, but I, could, I had a straight shot, you know, whiteboard, and then you were right to the left of where Keegan was. And, and I could tell... Uh, something was was going on, and, and I didn't want to guess. Yes. I wouldn't have known what it was. But what what happened is uh, what what happened this morning was that we um, we began as a staff to go through a book study together. Uh, we were going through the the book uh, on being a servant of God. Most of our discipleship as a staff is how to be better servants, how to uh, how to be better. Um, Christian uh, servants, staff members, just learning how to serve. And we were right in the middle of that book. All this went down, and, and I was reminded of, of Pastor Miles McPherson, a video, actually a teaching at a conference a couple years ago, I, or yeah, maybe two years ago. I brought that video back then. I brought that book, I think it was last year, brought that book back. It became a book of the month, but we never went no. through it. We never studied it. Um, there was no, <clears throat> I don't think anyone really, uh, I know I didn't have an urgency. I don't remember an urgency on our team and, you know, it became a book of the month. It's in the bookstore. Uh, we encouraged it. I read half of it back then. I didn't finish it. I felt it was an important word. I had never, uh, heard it framed that way. Um, even his introductory marks, it was great. And then all this went down and then urgency struck in my heart. Uh, and a need to not only reintroduce it to our radio audience, reintroduce it to our church, but like we stopped everything, watched the video last mm-hmm. week, and then assigned the book. 
and the first three chapters of the book were challenging. Yes, it was. They were challenging. They were very challenging. <clears throat> you know, I just listening to the comment, and uh, keep in mind that our, our staff is pretty diverse, um, but we come from different parts of, of, of the country, and we were raised differently. And uh, I my, myself grew up in Chicago. Uh, my dad passed away early. My mother raised five children. We grew up in what is considered uh, the bricks, the projects. And uh, we were raised uh, to do right. We were raised by a, 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 a mother that was Christian, and uh, she wouldn't take, uh, she wouldn't, she wouldn't put up with any mess. And so uh, she was my disciplinarian, and she taught me to respect all people. And so I, uh, during the discussion, I, I just kind of uh, went back uh, and remembered her, and uh, just the people who were in my life uh, that just kept me on the on this road. Uh, keep in mind that I saw the riots in the 60s as a little boy uh, when MLK and Kennedy were assassinated. And as a result, uh, and growing up to be a man and a father right now and uh, a retired uh, person, I never thought that we would have to visit uh, anything regarding race right now. I, I always thought that things would get better and better, but now in 2020 we find ourselves uh, with a rediscussion and uh, reviewing uh, what happened 25, 30, 40 years ago. So this morning as we're going through, you, are, you obviously read ahead, uh, you're prepared for our time. Were you, were you, were you nervous knowing that we were going to go over these chapters? Did you anticipate, was there a nervousness about today or did, was it spontaneous where you just like, you know what, uh, I don't, well, tell me how you felt. Like, mm -hmm. how, I, I don't think, I know you, so I don't think, I'm not, I don't want to put words in, in your thought, in your mouth that says, I didn't want to participate because I know that you do want to participate and you did participate, but at the end, um, you gave us a summary and then you shared exhortation and encouragement with us. But during that time, like, did you come nervous? Did you come concerned? You saw the questions that were sent out by Keegan. Yes. Um, how did you prepare to come to know that you're going to be in a room predominantly of non-black people? I mean, there's <laughs> there's four, right? No, there's there's three in the room. Keegan led, uh, Morgan, you. Um, I'll take Ian too. Ian, Ian, person. If we broaden it or, to yeah, person of color, non-white, yeah. there's yeah. Hispanics in there. There's Mexican, yeah. like yeah. so. So how, how did you anticipate? Did you have any anticipation of walking in? Did you think about it? I didn't think about it. I uh, had a very good time of prayer and, uh, and devotion this morning. And I usually uh, take off for uh, a ride on my bike before I come to st staff meetings on Wednesday. But for some reason, I was compelled to just stay and complete uh, my time of devotions and prayer. And so when I walked into uh, the room with everyone else, I felt great until uh, we started to discussing uh, the subject at hand, chapters one and two, and uh, Keegan did a great job. Uh, I, I, I just felt torn uh, because I felt that there were people among the staff that were uh, interesting. They were interested in the topic, but I felt that uh, they didn't really know my heart, and, and I wondered if they knew 
Keegan's heart and uh, him explaining about uh, his mom being white and his dad being black and me being in an interracial relationship and raising two sons uh, from a mom who was white and me being African-American. Uh, I wanted my brothers and sisters in the room to come into my life and I was a little leery that uh, the topic seemed to be just frosting on the cake, if that makes sense. Tell me what frosting on the cake means, like light, like we didn't go deep? Well, some did. Some people, some people went deep, yeah. but it seemed like the people were afraid to ask questions. And, and so my, my encouragement was is to, uh, in order to get to the problem uh, that I'll call sin, uh, yeah. such as uh, what is happening right now, uh, you need to know my heart and I need to know your heart. And there's going to be some tears shed. Yes. Because there's pain still uh, from hundreds of years of lack of reconciliation. So I'm gonna, I'm, I want to, st- I have a couple of things on my mind I want to talk with you about, but I want to stick on this because um, this idea that there are pain still of hundreds of years of racism. You're not 100 years old, no. right? So you didn't experience it in the hundreds of years. So I've been receiving uh, a few emails that say, uh, or even people telling me personally that um, there is no such thing as systemic racism. Uh, there is no such thing as why would we could be concerned about 100 years and that's what that's what triggered it because somebody actually you know this idea of hundreds of years of racism doesn't exist and that's what they say yes. and and you know it 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 frustrates me but it has an emotional response you have an emotional response because you you associate the pain not of hundreds of years but your own personal pain you was that a statement that you were sharing that this this is your own personal pain in the room the context was in the room this morning. Yes. And and so speak to that. Like, so somebody's, uh, we're not going to take that call, mm. but let's say somebody wanted to call and say, I don't believe there's <laughs> there's uh, hundreds of years of racism. Mm. What, what? How would you respond in the context of your life? I, uh, I thought of a story uh, when I was in college, and I was very militant uh, and called myself a Christian. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that I hate it, White, white people, but uh, I never knew. There was only a few people that had reached out to me in my life. So my my world was completely uh, dark-skinned people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember trying to pry into the history of my grandmother, uh, who's gone on to be with the Lord. It was a Christian lady. Uh, and she would never share any stories with me. But one day, finally, she shared a story with me that uh, she was in uh, the state of Mississippi, and uh, they were children, uh, early 1900s, and they were, uh, they were sharecroppers uh, at that time. And there were four or five kids out in the yards, and they were playing, and uh, the, the man who, uh, who owned the land was uh, in, the, in the vicinity, and then another man came up. Uh, suddenly, two of the kids that had been playing were taken away. And that's when she told me that those two kids who were uh, relatives of hers uh, were sold. Mm. And so uh, 
I, she warned me not to get angry because uh, God forgave that. And, and that was the beginning of a seed being planted in my heart. Uh, but that goes back into uh, like the 1900s. Yes. Uh, and it gets, it just continues. You know, when, when Barbie and I moved here as a, as a young couple, I remember uh, a gentleman that just kind of took us under his wing. And he, uh, seeing us as an interracial couple, young interracial couple, he shared that uh, he and his wife had been uh, together as well, interracial couple, mm -hmm. uh, back in the Midwest. And uh, it got to a point that he was harassed so much that he carried his marriage license mm -hmm. uh, in the car with his driver's license to prove that this was his wife. And so he, mm -hmm. he was just preparing me yeah. of uh, the type of relationship that I may have. Uh, it, it never turned out to be like that. And just by God's grace, uh, he always sheltered us from uh, anything like that right there. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always appreciated you through the years where when you do, when you do give uh, insight on something, whatever the topic is, you're a storyteller. Uh, and I don't mean fictional. I mean, you have a real story to identify how you explain what you're feeling, what you're going through at the time. And, and I, I had mentioned you know, very carefully try to put my words in writing um, so that I, I could be careful of what I said, but I made this comment uh, regarding racism, and I said, for most, racism is not just a term for them, and it's not just a political con construct. It's pain. Yes. It's the looks that they've received. It's been how they've treated. Uh, it opens up old wounds and fears and real-life stings, and now learning from you today, I could also write to that. And then a generational uh, actions that have happened throughout the generations. When you speak of your grandmother or your great-grandmother, like this is an abstract, you're not reading from a, uh, an encyclopedia or Google. This is your family. Yes, this is your bloodline that, that is carried to what you, you, you just shared that story as if we were all there with you. Yes. And uh, none of us were there. Mm. Um, we, we get it firsthand. Can I share a story um, from the first time we had a real meaningful <laughs> talk in the school? Uh, sure. Because I've learned a lot from, from Avent. I mean, I think that God brings people into your life that you can learn from, uh, that you can grow from. And when I moved here from California, you know, <clears throat> I think it's important in the, in the line of these conversations, too, uh, that I haven't mentioned this yet. But before I was born again, I was extremely racist mm. toward anybody except me. Um, and there was no real reason for that. My parents weren't like that. I wasn't raised that way. Um, I don't know how to pen it except that this sense of superiority or this sense of um, um, just like wanting to be a notch above people, and it didn't matter. And uh, what, what people group it was, um, I, made a, I made a conscious decision throughout my whole life just to think I was better than people which is, like you had mentioned this morning, it's like pride. There's this essence of pride. Um, and I grew up in a predominantly Hispanic community, um, Mexican, all around. Uh, and, and the irony of that is that God would uh, allow me to fall in love with a Mexican girl, uh, to have children with her, end up being married to her, and, and being born again so that God would show me <clears throat> from the inside out, the value of a human soul, 
and, and, and be able to value people for who they are. So I come to Colorado, I don't know how to, so I'm a rookie as a pastor, uh, don't know anything about pastoring, and, and don't really, I didn't come to Colorado intending to plant a white church, uh, a black church, a Mexican church, uh, any kind of race. Um, I didn't have that on my mind at all. I just wanted to come, and, and hopefully people would come and hear me teach a Bible study, and I didn't have that in the radar. Um, but God brought us to Aurora, and Aurora is a town very similar to where I grew up, yes. um, very diverse. It's much more diverse now, 20 years ago, than when, when I first moved here, and uh, it reminded me a lot of home. It was a bigger city, a uh, lot of different languages and looks. It was, it was great. Uh, but I didn't have, still, I didn't have any of that on my mind. And then, then you came through. You came to visit at the school, and I don't, ima- I don't remember exactly how we ended up talking, um, but I do remember talking to you, and I remember this story uh, like it was yesterday. And uh, you had described to me how you were thinking about not coming back, you didn't want to come back to the church, and, and I said, why? Um, because in my mind, there were only a couple reasons. Uh, one, it's a dirty school, and who wants to come and sit on these chairs? Um, the music, uh, maybe that was too loud because we the room, uh, maybe the teaching, but that's about it. Yes. That was my my threshold at that time. Like, well, if you don't want to come back to the church, you don't like the teaching, you don't like the music, you don't like the room. Uh, I don't, I can't think of really anything else. And and you offered something to me that I'd never heard before, and you said something along these lines, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you said something along these lines. Um, Pastor Ed, I walked in, I looked around, I didn't see anybody like me, and I decided that this is probably not the church for me. Mm. And, and, I, and I, I asked you, what does that mean? And you said, I, I looked around and I didn't see any black people in this room. Mm. Uh, and I, that was something, that was a brand new concept to me. And then I asked you, well, why is that important to you? So I wanna ask you that for people listening in, you coming into a room and assessing that room. You're a believer. You love Jesus Christ. You didn't come with your wife. It was just you. Yes. Uh, and and so you were looking around and assessing the group. And and I didn't view it as judgmental at all. You were looking for a place for home. You heard me on the radio. You heard the teaching on the radio. Um, and now you're coming to see. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't sound like the radio, but. Can you help people understand what it was like and what it is like for someone to walk in and assess the room and see that? Yeah, back in the day, uh, back in the days of the school, I had belonged to a uh, diverse church that I was very comfortable in. I was serving, but one of the things that brought me to Calvary Church, uh, Calvary Aurora at the time, was Pastor Ed's teaching. And uh, I, I just I fell in love with expository teaching verse by verse, and, and uh, uh, it was a place that I, I needed to be. I was apprehensive about uh, fellowshipping in a, a congregation that was uh, majority. Uh, I, I, I hate to use the term white. I, it was majority Anglo. Uh, I, I did not feel comfortable. And, and although there were people who greeted me, uh, I just didn't feel in my heart that I was welcome, unless it was one-on-one, such as with Pastor Ed or... Ron Rimple, right. uh, just some of the guys right. that uh, we uh, that I met when I first got here that that reached out to me, and uh, I had to fight against that right there because uh, if I was a believer, right, and I stood by the word that uh, I'm to love my brothers, 
right, who I see every day, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say that and say that I love God, who I've never seen, and hate my brothers who I'm with, then something was wrong with my heart, and so I needed to have a heart change as well. And and so as you were when you before you met anyone before the the greeting, what was why was why would it be important for you? from walking in that other black people would be in the church. Why would it be, why was it, why is it important? It's, I mean, it's still important to yes. me. It's still important to me because I believe that, that uh, God's house should be diverse. Yeah. Uh, it's true, and, and we've heard it before. I, I've heard it from Pastor Ed, I've heard it from Pastor Al Pittman that uh, the most segregated hour is Sunday. And, and that was something that growing up and, and even being a part of Calvary, church that has always been on my heart, that, that this church would be a church for all people. And I still feel like that today. Yes. And, and so looking around, was there, was there fear? Was there um, apprehension that I'd be accepted, uh, judged because I have, a white, uh, my, I have a white wife, it's interracial marriage? Were any of those things on your mind, or is those afterthoughts? Oh, afterthoughts. Yeah. Afterthoughts. I had... Uh, I had Lived in Montana. I played basketball in Montana, and uh, you know, just running away from uh, the dangers of the city. Uh, I had a scholarship to play ball, so I was used to being in an environment. But after leaving there, I, I didn't want to be in an environment such as that anymore. I just wanted uh, to be in a healthy environment. And when I went to church, I wanted to be in a healthy spiritual sanctuary uh, where there was all people. And, and uh, mind you, that when I would come into settings like that, uh, you could feel the eyes that would settle on you uh, that wasn't eyes of love, mm. if I can say that. Yeah. And you, you, I don't know that I've ever recognized that in, my, if, in somebody doing that toward me, but you feel that. Oh, yes. You can feel that. Yes. Have you ever, has the Lord ever led you to have a conversation with, um, with someone that might, you might have made eye contact with, and or, or do you just let that go? I, I, I learned to let it go. How does that affect you? Like, so I expected that answer from you, mm-hmm. and uh, knowing your personality, you're going to take it to the Lord, you're going to pray, but that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Like, mm-hmm. how, does it, how does that affect you? It, it affected me this morning. <laughs> you know, that was part of, what we're talking about years ago that came out yeah. uh, today uh, it's kind of snuck up on me and, and appeared out of nowhere and here I am with my my brothers and sisters in Christ yes. in the room and all of a sudden uh, I, I revisit that that time and and, and here here's Avan again discussing something that uh, that it was painful that was hurtful something that uh, in the beginning, when I talked about my, my grandmother and, yes. and all of that, uh, which I thought would be over and, and there'd be a time of healing, uh, the womb was still open. Do, we're going to come up on our first break. That's how fast the show goes. It does move. Uh, and so with, before we get to the break, though, I think, uh, do, you, do you think we should be talking about these things? I, I certainly do. I certainly do because uh, it, it needs to be brought out in the open. And, and keep in mind, guys, uh, it's, it's from a Christian perspective, but I believe that we should be leaders in seeking healing for what is happening right now. 
So I'm, I'm, so I walk into that room today and I say, okay, and we'll, we'll wait to the second half to, to, to go over question number two that Keegan gave us today. Wow. Um, but I go walk into the room today thinking I've got a lot to learn uh, and I'm ready. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear. And I think you walk in too, but you have something else. You like, like, I, I don't know that I would have anticipated that this, that this morning would open. I saw this morning, uh, as a leader, Yes. Uh, and and asking all of us to co- cooperate and all of us to go through this and all the uncomfortable. I anticipated it very positive. I did not in any way think that it would open old wounds for people. Uh, it didn't cross my mind at all. Mm. So that's something um, uh, we're going to talk about that because you hear the music. Uh, we're coming up on our only break. Uh, in studios, Pastor Avant Ramsey. Uh, he is a part of the team here. We are talking racial tensions and we are learning together. Uh, and I'm glad that you joined us. We'll be right back on Calvary Life. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303 690 3000 or text us at 720 0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. It is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you've been with us, I invite you to give us a call. Uh, we are taking questions, and and what we're not doing, we're not going to take questions to argue, or we're not taking those guys. But if you have a real genuine question for our guest today, Pastor Avant Ramsey, I want you to call us at 303-690-3000. You know, we kind of get caught up in the in the conversation and the time goes by and, uh, and we may, you know, we get caught up in everything that we're, we're talking about. But when, uh, if you have a question, uh, we would love to hear it. Uh, I'm going to, I have a, uh, a quick texting question. Maybe I missed it in the intro, but can you give a definition of systemic racism? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say a a non-professional uh, definition that systemic racism is a pattern of racism over time that becomes repetitive and obvious. And so that's a general. Have you ever thought, uh, Avan? I know it's kind of a on the spot question, but have you ever thought of when you hear the phrase systemic racism, what it means to you? I I no, to be honest with you, no. I. Uh... Because it because racism is enough for you. Yeah, you don't need the word systemic. Would no. that be fair to say? I don't. I don't. It's, it's it's like you know how things happen, like like uh, C nineteen. You know, it, it's just a new phrase of something uh, that is another tool of the enemy. Yeah, division and yeah. and uh, subjugation. But but I think that there are other definitions that we could get caught up in the in the political sociological view of it. Um, but the reality is that over time, a, a, program, pro, a programmatic um, system, you know, a repetitive uh, action of racism would be how I would um, uh, define it. And, you know, we, with social media and everything, you can talk about these things, even on radio, we could talk about these things. Um, but over the last few weeks, I've literally been in the room with or on the phone with men that experience a regular, ongoing racism in their life because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. 
And that what whether whatever kind of debates, and you'd be interested in all the emails I've been getting. But whatever you want to debate, you, you, it's impossible to to sit across the table from someone and say that um, no, you haven't experienced that. <laughs> it's like how could you possibly do that? Uh, and I think that's the important thing for us. And a- Pastor Avon already has mentioned it. Like we've got to, we're the Church of Jesus Christ. We've got to take this from a biblical spiritual approach. And Keegan this morning shared out of 1 Corinthians 9 uh, from the New Living Translation. We usually memorized it from the New King James where we, you know, Paul says, I become all things to all men that I might win some. Um, but when you read it from the New Living Translation, uh, it, I, I thought, man, they, they absolutely nailed this one uh, when they say, uh, let me get to it here. It's 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, none of these things. Let me get here. Um, I'm still in the New King James. That's why I can't find it. Um, let me click here. I'm sorry. Be patient with me. Uh, he says, um, when I am, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 22. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. And yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Mm. I like that phrase. I try to find common ground with everyone. And I would imagine that it's even more painful uh, for someone that has experienced racism to have it dismissed. And just as if, you know what? Um, I've experienced it too. You know, that's a big response. I've experienced it too. Well, then that would make you even more careful to step into another person's shoes if you've experienced it too in a different category a different you know i've i've been discriminated against too well that if that's truly if that's accurate then that would make you even more equipped to step into avant's life to step in john's life to step into someone's life that experienced regular ongoing um uh, different treatment, partiality, as we were, we talked a lot, a lot of passages of scripture this morning, showing preference, partiality, giving preference to the rich and to the poor, giving preference um, to some people while treating other people poorly. Um, and so let's go back, uh, Avent. Yes. Let's go back to this morning. You're, uh, I'm, and this just, we're in the conversation, so it's just me and you. Yes, sir. Um, I'm walking in, and, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be different. We haven't done anything like this um, before. Uh, we haven't tackled a, a topic like racism before and then allowed another author to walk us through. Uh, so I'm anticipating. I'm, I've read, the, I've read that, those chapters. I'm ready. I've looked at the questions, and I'm walking in pretty eager. I'm, I'm pretty eager to see. And then, and then how we set it up where I'm not the one doing discipling. All the pastors, we're all doing it together. Yes. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm encouraged. This is a new, this is a first for us, 20 years as a church. We're tackling this. We're going to step into it. We're going to learn. And I'm eager to learn. You had great devos. Um, everything was well. You walked in, um, you walked in uh, positive, ready in your own shoes, uh, in your own skin, you're ready. And then something happened. Do you remember what what the tide turned? That um, I don't even want, were you discouraged? Like what happened? I, I think I, I think I, I felt discouraged. Uh, it's it's I don't know. I, I revisiting 
revisiting is hard. Uh, I, as I was talking to you during the break, uh, I, I wanted to share a story with you okay. that happened last year. I was at our home. I live in Denver, my wife and I, and uh, I was cleaning out, cleaning a window to put an air conditioner in the window. And uh, a gentleman uh, <clears throat> that was delivering community newspapers uh, was walking by as I was cleaning windows. And I, I noticed him out of my eye, but I didn't take any, I didn't think anything of it. And uh, he picked up his phone and, and made a phone call uh, and, and just kind of stayed looking at me while I'm cleaning the window and was talking to someone. And so <clears throat> I assumed that uh, he was talking to someone about me. Uh, about five or 10 minutes later, uh, the police stopped at my door and uh, someone had called the police on me for being in my house because they thought it was a potential burglary. Uh, that had a profound effect upon my heart uh, because I was hurt, uh, <laughs> I, I, I cried. Uh, it was embarrassing that I had to show my license and mail to a mm -hmm. police officer at my door. But in that staff meeting this morning, I revisited that feeling again, yeah. and I didn't care to. And, and that feeling is real. Yeah. This is not some abstract. We talked about that during the break. This is not some abstract thought of theory or uh, thinking about what other people, th this is where you live. Mm -hmm. And and we're thinking, how many years ago did that happen? Was, uh, last year. Last year, so yeah. 2019, you you pay the mortgage on that. I remember when we talked, uh, not only do you pay the mortgage, but you had to put that boiler in um, <laughs> that wasn't cheap. Like, this is your house, this yeah. is your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I've been there, I've been at your house, I've been in that neighborhood, and, and you have every right to clean your window and put an air conditioning in, uh, but some, but with, and, and I want, uh, I don't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to think he didn't come to ask you. No, he didn't come to engage you. Yeah. Uh, he made a snap judgment based upon your color of your skin yes. and the fact that you were at a window. And that hurt. Um, yeah. The, the flip side of that is that I had to forgive that man Yeah. Um, because I started out my flesh wanted to confront him physically, but my testimony that I wanted to, to, to hold uh, steadfast uh, compelled me to forgive him. Did he stick around to see if the cops showed up? No. Okay. No. But, um, but, but uh, while you were at the window, you saw him out of the corner of your uh, eye, yes. and you could see that, that there was something going on with yeah. him and yeah. you. You know, it's, it's like I, I share with you guys, uh, when I'm, I'm cautious as a, as a, as a, I'm in my 60 guys, and I, I don't feel that it's necessary to, uh, to think that I'm a threat, a threat walking down the street of my neighborhoods or walking anywhere. And I still feel like that. And, uh, <clears throat> just being confronted, uh, at my age or, or, or for any other man because of who he is and because of his color uh, is something that, that has to be dealt with. And I believe it has to come from our hearts as, as far as uh, loving God. 
that's the only way that we're going to confront this situation that we're talking about right here. And uh, are you willing to accept the gospel? Yeah, I think that part of the conversation this morning, too, was that um, we, we need to be willing to be are not we need to be careful not to be offended yes. uh, because at offense then we become defensive and then we you know when we're when we're offended by something that's actually offendable it takes us out of the spirit and into the flesh yes. and and it goes it goes both ways on this topic you know where we where we may instead of stopping and listening and engaging in conversation uh, we come to snap judgments and we make decisions where I'm not even valuing you uh, as, and I like this phrase, like as an image bearer. Yes, sir. Uh, and and then I I also like what um, kind of shifting to it's it's impossible for me to look at you, Avan, and not see that you're black, right? So right. it's it's not. Um, however, sometimes there'll be that there'll be someone that say, you know, I'm colorblind and I don't see color. <laughs> and what does Miles McPherson say in his book? He says, look, when you do that, then what you're saying, and and although. I, although it's probably shared in such a way that's intended to be positive, but the way that can be interpreted, as Miles, Pastor Miles says, is like, when you say you don't see my color, what you're saying is you don't see me and who I am and what I carry in, my, in, in the, the, the life that, that I've lived and also my generations. Yes. Um, also, uh, during the break, I wanted to add this because Pastor Avan and I have been to Israel together, and we have the same... Uh, we have the same guide. His name is Shraga, mm. and uh, Shraga is a very strong, vibrant, loud. Um, if you didn't, it, 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 if you met him for the first time, you would say he's confident, strong, doesn't have a fear in the world, and things change uh, somewhere along somewhere along the tour, ten day tour with Shraga. S- something will change when the topic comes up about either the military. Or the Holocaust, yes. And the Holocaust, whenever the topic of the Holocaust comes up in Shraga's presence, it's he will turn from. He, it's I've seen this happen. It doesn't always happen, but I will see him turn from a joker, loud dancer, goofy to crying, tears coming out of his this grown man. He's in his seventies, and tears coming by, coming through, and it. One of the things you shared, event reminded me of that because when you felt pain, it goes back to today. It went back to a story of your grandmother that goes back to her child to all the way back. And it reminded me of Shiraga when it comes to the Holocaust because he has his grandparents died in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. They both died. And so immediately he doesn't think of it as a political construct. He doesn't think of it as um, anything that it's become. He thinks of it, you know, my, I lost my family there. And many others that that suffered. He hurts with everyone else, and I think it's important that we recognize that there, there's a lot of pain to go around. And if we just dismiss the pain, then we're not going to have the opportunity to be heard, um, because that's our as 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 image bearers of God and carriers of the gospel and ministers of reconciliation. If we are not heard then we're unable to fulfill the call of God upon our lives. And if, if you don't trust me, then you won't listen to me. And so to dismiss someone's pain, to dismiss someone's feelings, and to replace it with some opinion, some post, or I've seen a lot of people, you know, when you hear systemic racism, uh, I've seen a lot of people 
us, well, here are the facts. Here's the statistics. Well, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not in any way uh, minimizing what statistics might mean, but statistics don't always tell the whole story. Uh, and how many people does it take? Um, you know, so I say, well, I'll just give you the stats. You, you think there's systemic racism, Avant? Here are the facts. Well, I've just lost Avant. I might mm. throw a thousand numbers out at him, but I forgot that I'm talking to Avant. Yes. And, I, and we, can't re, we can't forget that we're talking to John, Avant, Bill, or anyone else in our lives so that we might be heard with the gospel. Amen. With the gospel. So let's go to Mark here in Aurora. Hey, Mark, uh, welcome to the program. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, I wanted to say something to the white guys that are out there who are thinking, you know what, this is dumb. This doesn't happen. And you know what, that's where I was. I was in that, that category because in my world, I didn't see any anything like that. Everything just looked normal to me until I finally had a chance. I had a good friend who was black. And because of a Commerce Keepers event about reconciliation, I decided to ask him, what is it like to be black? He blew me away by, there's a, I, I grew up out west, or I'm sorry, out east, um, a small little farming town called Columbus, right? Pasture fields, um, farming, all that kind of stuff. I used to ride my bike down this road into Columbus hundreds of times and never had an issue. He told me that when he rode his bike down that same road, he used to be pulled over by the police. The police would stop and ask him, what are you doing and where are you going? And I thought, you're, you're kidding me. I, I, have never, I have never had that happen to me. All the hundreds of times I've ever been down that road, that has never happened to me as a kid. You're saying that happens to you all the time, he said. And then he shared something else with me. I, I like to go to a car dealership when they're closed because I hate getting hit by all the dealers. Right. Right. So when they're closed, I can actually walk around and look at cars. I've done that hundreds of times. He told me when he goes to a closed car dealership, never fails police pull up and ask him what he's doing. You know what? For the first time in my entire life, it hit me. Wow, this is real. I have never seen it. I, I just want to say to the white guys out there who are still questioning this, talk to your black friends, man, and ask them what it's like to be black. And, and I guarantee you'll be blown away. That's hey, it. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad Mark said that. Uh, one of the things that uh, when my boys were young, we would raise them to be cautious of the places that they went, to always have something in their pocket, uh, to never go into department stores or any store without any money in their pocket uh, because they were always looked upon as uh, someone that was about to take something. And, and that, that starts with me as a young boy and my boys that are now in their 30s. And, and now uh, when this evolved, when these incidents that have happened in our country evolved, there were Christian men that would call me up and would say, I had to have a long conversation with my teenage son 
Even Pastor Ian, who has a two-year-old, was concerned about preparing his son for instances such as what Mark described of his of his friend who happened to be black. Uh, again, I almost checked out. I did check out in our meeting today because I revisited that yeah. today because it shouldn't be necessary, but in 2020, we're still having to deal with the same issues, guys. And, 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 and guys, this isn't uh, above God, but if God is in our heart, we need to be concerned about that because uh, it's hurting people. It is. I, I want to address this really quickly. I'm glad it's a text question, but um, considering where we are, here, here's something that just came in. I'll read it verbatim. I've wondered why the Bible doesn't seem to address the race issue, and then now we have a 2,000-year history of racism uh, in the name of Christianity. Um, the Bible 1 million percent addresses race yes. and race issues and division based upon um, ethnicities and languages and appearances. And I'll just give you a few examples. And I'm, I'm going to just say, uh, because you put your name to it, that this is a genuine question, uh, because it could be perceived as a not a genuine question to think that uh, as a student of the Bible, that you you would think that the Bible doesn't address, address race. But you'll remember there was a great division between the Samaritans and the Jews based upon race. You'll remember that there was a great um, difficulty between Paul and Peter based upon race and partiality. You, you'll remember that there was a superiority by the religious rulers um, over everyone else. And think about this division of race. It's the Jews and as the chosen people, which is a biblical truth, but some rabbis taught that the Gentiles, that means everyone else, it doesn't matter what country you're from, everyone else, that the Gentiles were, there was actually a rabbinic teaching that taught that the Gentiles were only made to fuel the fires of hell. Mm. Um, and, and on a side note, alongside race would be the issues of demeaning women and the devaluing of women in the um, biblical times and biblical culture. So um, I would say um, the Bible absolutely addresses race. Um, the Bible does speak of there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. Um, the Bible speaking about in Christ, we're brothers in the Lord. It, the Bible has to identify the man-made divisions in order to remind us that there's unity in Christ. And, and so this is nothing new. Um, this has been an issue uh, from the very beginning. I only jumped in from the New Testament, um, but there is no, there is no um, newness to it. Uh, it's always been the heart of man to divide, you know, and the, and the devil loves to divide. And so as you're listening to the program, I, I, want, I want to invite you into the lives of those that we've had the chance to hear from invite you from, I mean, Avant, Avant is, and all the men that I've had here are good friends of mine, um, that I would trust them with my life, I would trust them with my family, uh, and yet we're also, across, we're in the same room together, uh, and, and I'm listening, and, and a brother across the room is hurting, I mean, real hurt, they're not, with, it's not contrived, it's not made up, it's not, it's not pity, 
It's not feel sorry for me. It's not anything that we might want to make it. It's a brother that has a memory of having to sit down with his son and say, look, son, when you go into the market, um, make sure you have money in your pocket. Because if you're asked what you're here for, and you say, I'm here to buy something for my mom for Mother's Day, and you don't have any money in your pocket, you're immediately going to become a suspect. You're immediately going to be considered a liar. Uh, Even if you went in to say you were just looking for things for your mom, there may be a tendency that they won't believe you because of the way you look. So put money in your pocket, dollar bills, have some money, so that if they ask you, you'll have one more piece of evidence to prove to you that you're an upstanding citizen. And that's just the facts. Um, we could respond to it like, oh, I don't know, it's never happened to me, like, like Mark said, but man, it's happened to a lot of our friends. And if we would just ask, um, I've never been, I've never, I've had the police called on me many times before I got saved uh, because I deserved it. I haven't, uh, as a 50-year-old man, I haven't had someone call the police on me uh, for washing my windows uh, in my neighborhood ever, or climbing the fence. You know, I hopped the fence on my, uh, in my neighborhood, uh, to get somewhere. Instead of walking around, I'll hop the fence. I've never had anybody call the police on me for hopping the fence, uh, in my neighborhood or walking the park in my neighborhood or, um, and so the, the, the goal for us in, in these conversations is for you just to hear another perspective. Yes. And, and these are perspectives that need to be heard. Uh, somebody asked me, you know, have you changed the show? Well, yeah, yeah, I guess I have changed the show. For a time being, we need to address, uh, like we need to walk into this and not allow the media to define it for us, not allow our preconceived ideas to define it for us, but let's talk to people that are living in the 21st century uh, in black skin, and let's just hear them out. Brothers in the Lord, they're, they're my brothers. Uh, we are one in Christ. And and I'm I've been encouraged. I'm learning and growing so I could be more effective with the gospel. Mm. Um, did you have a scripture? Uh, I did, but I, I I want to go back to what you just said. You know, when you asked me today if I wanted to do this, uh, I was apprehensive. <laughs> and and then when you shared about uh, some people are coming at my pastor, and and when I heard that, I I didn't I didn't want them to do this show, guys. I basically, uh, you know, if, if people feel that way about this man, uh, who I love, uh, if they feel like that because of a show, because of a conversation, uh, then I didn't want to do this show, but uh, he stood up and said, we're going to do it uh, just because. And so I, I wanted to read the scripture uh, in John, First John, and, and this has been my heart. Whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord, is Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has had for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and, God's abides, and God abides in him mm-hmm. by this. By this is love perfected within us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So good. Yeah, it is. Well, we're already at the end of the show, Evan. Do you have any final thoughts besides that scripture that 
Um, you got about a minute that you could share with the audience, with share with me. Hey guys, I, I just want to say, if, uh, if I could say anything for what I see, if, if it was my personal opinion, it would be, uh, we get, we should get back to the basics and, uh, go back to God's word. And you're always welcome at any color. You're always welcome at Calvary Chapel, Calvary Church, Colorado. <laughs> Whatever our name is these yeah, days. <laughs> we had like 20,000 names. Uh, just wanted to know, Pastor Ed, we love you. Uh, I love you. I, I thank you for allowing me to come into this studio and share time with you. And uh, very appreciative of you and our friendship. Well, I appreciate it. I know this wasn't easy for you. And I know you didn't come in thinking this. But having what you shared with us as a team, uh, as you do, uh, with from that place of maturity, I, I felt like, you know, I think this would be a good addition to these conversations that we're having because as we've had, this is our fifth one, there's so many different perspectives yes. um, from very strong, godly men. And from your maturity, your experience, um, I'm sure that we could go on with episode after episode mm -hmm. and how your thinking has changed. But I know that what you shared today is what God wanted us to hear. Uh, it's what God wants to add to us uh, so that we might be more effective. And, and what God's brought me back to in simplicity is how Jesus summed up the, the law for us. Mm -hmm. You love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the practical application of that is we love our neighbor. Yes. And what did Miles say? Miles said, we have a way of making sure that we label people so they, they aren't our neighbors anymore and we don't have to love them. And that's not the heart of God. No. Hey, thanks for joining us. You hear the music. We're here tonight. we got a special night of worship here at Calvary Church. Would love for you to be here. Uh, thank you, Pastor Avan. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, the Lord bless you and encourage you. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.